everybody. Welcome back to Contest Prep University. At the time of this recording, we are right in the first week of 2023. So always have to say that as things get archived for long periods of time. But Adam and I have been away for probably two months. It feels like that. Adam moved out to Las Vegas. I moved our headquarters to a new location here in Evansville, Indiana, Southern Indiana. And we've just, just had a heck of a time trying to get together. So it's great that it's the first of the year. I think, Adam, we could really talk about what my clients are most engaged in right now, which is how to even plan a contest year. Uh, I've just had so many questions in the past couple of weeks, like, hey, the new year's coming. When do we start prep? What contest should I do? What organization should I be in? What, what? And I'm thinking, you know, I'm your coach. I think you probably should have all of these things answered. But at the same time, I get it. Uh, they, they look to us, Adam, for expertise. They know we have experience in doing this. So there are a lot of unanswered questions and a lot of variables that they're just worried they may not even be considering. So I'm sure you get that same question. So let me just pitch it to you that way. You know, Adam, come on, let's let's go. It's the new year. What should we do? Yeah, great question, too. It, it, it's hard because there's going to be different reasons. You might pick different shows for different athletes based on their, you know, level of, um, you know, competitiveness. So uh, I literally have a client right now. We were getting ready for Dave Lieberman's show for, I mean, she's wanted to do this show for a long time. And she said, oh my God, I just saw there's two shows this same date. Which one do I do? And, and that's hard from a coaching perspective. She's an amateur competitor. She's pretty new. We need a little bit more size. Uh, and I told her, I said, I really would not be able to predict which show is going to be more competitive of the two. Aside from there was one caveat that was easier on this one. Dave Lieberman shows drug tested and the other one was not. And I said, you know, Without having a crystal ball, doing Dave's show would be best because it's drug tested. You're, you know, you don't have a ton of size. So I think that would be best. But even before then, you know, you kind of had to rewind and, you know, what's a client's financial situation? They may not be able to travel far from a show. I've had clients where it was, you know, we got to get you ready one shot because the show's 10 miles from your house. And, you know, finances aren't great to be able to travel or pay for hotel costs and competing is just expensive. So, you know, you really do have to con consider first and foremost, the financials to kind of start this podcast off. And, you know, that's something that you can discuss with your coach and we can kind of help you with. Um, some shows are cheaper than others, depending um, some are more expensive. Um, Dave's shows are kind of expensive because you have to pay for the drug testing ultimately with your registration, and that makes the costs a little bit more expensive. You know, a, a couple people, as you were talking, it came to my mind, have, have asked me this in the last couple of days as brand new competitors. And uh, they're, they're interesting stories because one is a female who has lost a lot of weight. She she has lost about 150 pounds and her ultimate goal was to get on the stage and compete. And she wanted to do this last year. And when she gave me this 
goal said, Hey, in one year after I lose this amount of weight, I want to compete. And we had this conversation just yesterday and she said, Joe, you like, we didn't compete last year. That was the goal that we didn't do it. And I said, I knew you would not make it because you just didn't have enough time. But what if I had told you that to your face? What if I'm soul crushing, dream stealing coach Joe? And I said, no, you can't do that. That's just too close. It's not going to happen. I wanted you to figure out that for yourself. I needed you to go through the process, stay motivated. And you came to the conclusion last fall that, man, this is just not going to happen. It's not going to be this year. We're going to have to delay it. You made that decision based on your own intuition and the objective criteria in front of you. I didn't have to do that for you. But now we're in a different spot. Now it's a new year. Now we've got that much work accomplished. Now we can do that. But I'll also throw in a caveat. You've never competed. I've never worked with you in this capacity. We could be off by 10, 15, 20 pounds as a goal. So we really need to put a goal date out far enough for a lot of contingency things to happen that we just can't predict. So keep that in mind as a new as a new competitor. Just and I and I told her it's not about the date. It's not about the contest. It's about your physique. It's about you having the experience you want to have. So plan it with that in mind. Mm -hmm. Another client who's 18 years old, male, just contacted me. And he said, I don't know, do I even have the size? You know, when should I compete? And I had to explain, you know, look, when I was your age, I was competing close to that time in my first contest. And then 20 years later, almost at 40 years old, I competed for the last time as a pro and I weighed the exact same amount, but I looked like I had gained 30 pounds of muscle because muscle volume, muscle size, muscle shape is different than muscle weight. Mm-hmm. 75% of your body's water. You're just, you know, skeletal muscle just doesn't weigh that much. So you can, you can gain muscle in size and strength for decades and you're always going to improve. So don't wait for that. When you feel like you're ready, when you have the, you could do a teen contest right now. You could do a juniors contest, collegiate, like just when you're ready, do it, like have fun, have the experience. Don't wait for me or somebody else to tell you now you're ready. So those are two kind of at the other end of that continuum, you know, Adam, where they're just beginning, they've never competed before. And and I think that's, that's at least one place to cover but then I'll, I'll let you jump back into other things to consider for people who may be in the hunt for pro status or they're they're trying to qualify for the Olympia or something like that. How much uh, you, you, let, let's go into the topic that we love to talk about, which is off seasons. You know, maybe maybe it's time to compete this year. Maybe you need a little bit more off season. How do you determine that? You led me right to where we were going to go in planning national contests because You know, if you just came out of a prep in October and you were wanting to hit spring, you know, the the act of us changing a lot of things in that short amount of time, you're probably going to bring the same physique at best. And you're probably going to find that you don't have a lot of like recurring competitors from the fall season to the spring season. So you could be up against a completely different lineup of people that are nationally qualified. So that off season is really important. Uh, More and more as I've done this and 
I will say coaches who are watching this, um, if you're newer, this is extremely hard to do. I've learned some really hard lessons this way, but I, I used to have my people compete too much and they couldn't change as fast. And and when you have a smaller roster, it is easy to get excited and say, I need to get somebody on stage. So, so that patience and even as an athlete, you don't really want to show up the same. So taking that longer time to adapt metabolically upward, also improve your hormonal health, actually get the labs done actually putting on muscle and actually changing is the most important thing because if you are you're probably progressing you're probably going to be better for your next season and that's ultimately what's going to get you that overall or that pro status down the road and i think a lot of people uh, don't put enough stock in the off season and just return and kind of hope they get it. And then their hopes kind of get crushed when someone who maybe took two years, three years off uh, gets it. My client, Madeline, we really dove into a two year off season with her and uh, all year she was uh, second or third um, in the national contest, finally ended up getting her pro card at the very last last national show of the year when she did the very first national show of the year it was a long season but she had that kick in her because she had taken that much time off and we were able to you know do the diet breaks and reverses accordingly to keep her you know healthy her muscles fuller and keep her physique from degrading through that long of um a contest season i won't say she was in prep the whole time but there was a lot of management in there Right. I, I have a couple of different people I train with personally. And so one, one of my training partners was in here yesterday in, in my facility and we were talking about biomechanics. He happens to be an engineer, so he knows physics and, and all of that. But applying it to functional anatomy and physiology is, is where he is now. And he's only five years into his bodybuilding career, even lifting weights, and he's progressed so much. He competed once in bodybuilding. Now he's he's taking, like you said, a nice two, three year off season and and has been really been doing powerlifting type uh, protocols. So it gave me a chance yesterday as we were discussing to kind of show him how you don't have to be this complex. You don't have to have so much variety. This was just the topic we were on. And, and I, I had to dig through some of my library of photos from when I was competing and it reminded me as I was showing him the changes in my legs in particular and so forth. Um, I didn't start making my best progress until I was taking two year off seasons regularly because I also, as an amateur, was always in the hunt, always trying to compete and win. And so it just seemed like year after year after year I was on stage. As soon as I was a pro and only had to compete contractually every two years, I took advantage of that because as a pro, I was getting my ass kicked and I really needed those off seasons. And, and man, you see from, you know, that first two year cycle to the next, to the next, to the next, that was the decade or so where I just really improved my physique. And had I just kind of driven myself to the ground, dieting every single year, it just would never have happened. And so that that is a big part of this conversation, when to pick a contest, Sometimes it's not this year. Sometimes it's it's saying this is just 
the year I need to build. Maybe I've got some things on my schedule. Otherwise, family, occupationally, academically, and I'm just going to put everything into the off season and, and drive it home that way. Yeah, I always kind of throw this at my clients in a good, better, best scenario. So here's how we bring your best physique. But um, I'm going to throw in there your mentality, your your drive to be able to hang in an off season. Some people don't have it uh, to do a two year off season mentally, and uh, you have to challenge yourself. Um, and you may not have to do that after your first year of competing, but as you advance and you want to advance more. Um, you're going to have to learn those hard lessons unless you're just extremely genetically gifted. And uh, if you are, hopefully you go to the Olympia and, and then you take a two-year offseason, you know, trying to get there. But it, it really is important to keep in mind that some people just lose their steam if they don't have that carrot to chase right away. Uh, the gains are definitely slower in the off season for sure. It's a little less glorified. Uh, I know my clients who run businesses, they feel like their likes and follows get down when they're in the off season and they, they hate that. But just like you said, you have to do this for you at the beginning and what is best for you, not what your followers think, not what your mom and dad think. And you're going to enjoy the process way more if you really are honest and candid with yourself and do what's good for you. Within within the first two two-year cycles when I turned pro, that is when I achieved a 500-pound squat and a 500-pound deadlift. You know, the kind of strength that you get when you're just grinding through protocols and progressions, training block after training block – when you're just rushing that because it takes several months to recover after a contest and then you're back to dieting, it's just never going to happen. But yeah, I had another client, we were having this conversation and, and this is a record breaker for me. I've been coaching for more than 25 years and uh, legitimate DEXA scan body comp analysis. The guy is 4.1% body fat. And he said to me, cause he's a, he, he's competed before. This is our first time together. He said, Joe, I really like a nice, long, slow prep. He said, I'm planning on 22 weeks, which is close to you know 24, which is I, I kind of like a full six months. And uh, I said, of, of course, I'm going to agree with you. And not only are you going to have a lot of time to do this slowly, minimum cardio for fat loss specifically, we're going to have a lot of time to go through some metabolic building and food increases at the end. I mean, how more can you ensure somebody's going to look their best when they're starting prep in that condition? And so in that case, I've, I've had to work with him over the last few weeks to really try to build as much food capacity and size at this tail end. I mean, obviously, in the last couple of months here, we're not going to add muscle mass, but I do need him eating as much food as possible. And at least finding that ceiling where he's, we are maxing out to the point that anabolism is as high as it can be. And, and here's what's funny. It's almost taught him what metabolic building looks like and, and what it will look like at the end of the prep. We've added 
three, 400 calories a day. He was somebody who liked to be a little bit low on carbs and he's not a, 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 a big guy. Um, you know, he, he's going to be a master's competitor and is, you know, probably going to compete under 150 pounds, but he, he he's adding all this food and he said, Joe, I, I cannot gain weight. Like I've always eaten this much food down here. What's going on? And like, this is, this is progress you have left on the table because you've been afraid to eat and, and afraid to let your body composition rise a little bit. I'm not asking you to become clinically obese or think you have to gain tons of body fat to gain muscle, but you can see how much margin we had here to play with. So that's another consideration. Just it's, it's very unique and specific to, to somebody in his position, but just make sure you are ending your off season really with a full tank metabolically. You're, you're, you're getting your best training. You're hitting your best strength PRs at that time, because now that you go into that deficit, it, it's going to change. I mean, it's, it's time, you, you know, all of your goals change, which, which leads me to one, one more person that I'll, I'll, I'll mention on the end of this continuum, somebody who does have a lot of experience competing. He's a coach as well. And he decided we're going to compete this summer. We had to have this conversation. Initially it was, well, there's a couple couple contests really close to my house and they're in April. Do you think I can be ready? And I'm like, you know better. No, you can't be ready. You're not going to look your best. It leaves us no margin for error. You're going to be dieting aggressively the whole time. You're going to hate it. So we found a couple shows in July. And this this is a comment he said, Adam, that was really funny. Experienced competitor. He's like, all right, I guess it's time to start. Let's get this over with. And I'm like, that's your attitude going into prep. You're already hating it, like like looking at it in, in, with this taste of detest in your mouth. I said, I hope you're going to give me something better than that as we go. I want you to be excited about what we're going to do. We're going to hit your lifetime best. It's going to be amazing. But that's a mindset check. And I think that's another thing. If you if you are absolutely already just feeling like this is going to be drudgery, it may not be the time for you to compete. I mean, you you should feel so excited and refreshed in a way that I've had a great offseason. Now it's game time. Let me let me add it. Let me out of the gate. I want to fight. Like that, there has to be something like that in you. Or I don't think you're going to enjoy the process. I a thousand percent agree. If you don't enjoy it, your life in the sport's gonna be pretty, pretty low. And and you have to like it for the right reason. So it can't be for other people's, you know, um validation to you on telling you you look great. Um, you also had to be careful on letting this become your identity too much because Every competitor has a short, you know, run at the top before somebody gets them. Uh, you know, Ronnie, eight-time Mr. Olympia, you know, is, is anyone going to beat that? That's kind of like the record on staying on top. And uh, I think when people get beat, it's like definitely sad for them. So you always hope that they have more going on than just that title and, uh, you know, maybe financial um, you know, financial, you know, wits about them or um, ways to turn themselves into, you know, a business on top of being a Mr. Olympian. That's one of the reasons I love Jay Cutler is, 
he he was a great Mr. Olympia, but he did so many business decisions outside of that because he was Mr. Olympia. And he seems to have a wonderful life out here in Las Vegas. And he seems to have a lot of his health, like, you know, just on external value there, too. You know, you, you made me think of a couple more bookending uh, client scenarios, demographics, uh, when you talked about it becoming your identity. And, and I I view it in both ways. I, I mentioned my client who's going to be doing this for the first time and, and she had lost a lot of weight. I've seen a lot of people do something like that. And it's just kind of a bucket list thing. I want to, I want to compete. I, I'm aware of this sport. I see those pictures and and I want to do that. I want to see how far I can push my body. And I love it when a client once in a while does that and they walk away like, yeah, I did it and accomplished a goal. And now I'm off doing other things. Now I'm going to do something else. Uh, if you do get pulled into the sport because you love it and that's fine as well. I would I would echo what you said, Adam, and make sure it's for the right reasons. Make sure you love it. Make sure you like the competitive elements, the self-improvement, self-development parts. And it's not something that you feel you have to do. Because on the other end of that, I see clients who end up really struggling to let go, uh, you know, after 10 or 15 or 20 years and whatever level of success they've had. They, you can see they are doing it because they're trying to hold on to yesteryear, so to speak. And it's no longer serving them well physically, relationally, occupationally. It's just not the right thing. And so I also like having conversations with clients of, of how to exit that part of your life and still enjoy it. And so you can still be part of the sport. You can still you know, your training's not going to change. I haven't competed in more than 15 years and, you know, I'm just killing it, you know, every day in my facility. So I, I just think as, as we talk about planning your year, some of those different demographics could help maybe, you know, our, our listeners or viewers see, see that reflection of themselves. Yeah, Absolutely. And uh, also, one other thing, you can turn your bodybuilding into a lot of different other sports afterwards. You're, you know, many sports require some physical training aspects. So, you know, you can move into basketball, golf, tennis, um, and, and play very well. Uh, you know, maybe even football, depending on how young you are. So there's there's a lot of carryover into other things that you may want to explore. And I think that's what I enjoyed about bodybuilding best is because when my career was over, I got back into track and field um, pretty immediately and did some pole vaulting again. And I couldn't believe how much carryover that much weightlifting had into doing that made me wish I had lifted more in high school than what I did, but Definitely um, in college as well, but it was definitely um, beneficial for me to, you know, step away for that long, do something else. But when I came back, I was very physically fit to be able to do that. A lot of people who do that, they definitely leave the stage and do something performative that that they really enjoy. Well, well let's end like this. For those who are diving into the year, uh, I mentioned earlier, as as you did, just mindset that that hunger to actually win. What do you feel 
is because you've you've had such great success and longevity as a coach when you sit down with a client for the first time or maybe you've been with them for five years how do you know somebody is ready to win how do you as a coach connect with them in a way that can make sure that you're both on the same page and i mean i have to think that everybody would agree that the the, the mental side of the game, sports psychology is the biggest part. If, if your head is not in it, that's one thing. But on the more positive side, when you have people who are all fighting their hardest and this is going to be their best year, they, they just know it and they feel it. They've got that hunger. How do you keep that moving? How do you keep that channeled in, in the right way? And, and I'm just wherever you want to go with that particular topic, Adam, I would just love to hear and, and kind of finish on that positive side of, of, of the competitive spirit. Yeah, it, for me, it's a huge mental side. And then also how we're handling like the, the last couple of weeks of the off season. Uh, I do want to make sure they're relaxed, they're getting some freedom. You know, maybe there's some things they've wanted to eat that they've not gotten to have. Uh, really press that reset button. Uh, really let the adrenals relax and just allow them to, you know, decompress before they go into such a rigid process. Um, I, I've been getting time and time again these girls who are tracking just every minute variable. Um, their meal times are so specific. They don't eat anywhere outside of those meal times. And I find often these clients burn out for stuff that doesn't even matter that much. And, you know, I, I've lived literally seen Miss Olympia not eat a post-workout meal because she's been talking for two hours at the gym. Like, you know, that's not making or breaking her from the Olympia title at the end of the day. So, you know, taking some time to relax, still do your training and do the things that matter. And, uh, having that fresh mind going into the season, because if you feel like you just, exhausted yourself in the off season you're probably gonna burn out during prep and not be able to finish it it'd be like starting the race when you just finished a sprint um you know you would do a warm-up lap or two but you're not gonna sprint those laps and that's kind of the best way i could describe that you know i i've thought of this often because it's it's a funny thing and it goes back into what I told that client that I, I knew you were not going to be ready, but I needed you to experience it. And I didn't want to bias your actions. There, there's something called psychological absorption capacity, which is almost our ability to dilute ourselves. Like we we lie to ourselves and it's a coping mechanism for a lot of things. And I'm all in on that in a way. It, it just naturally. I mean, I mean, like my brain did this from the time I was a child. And it goes like this. When I was in the fourth, fifth grade, just starting to play sports, I was so sure I was going to be the starting quarterback someday for the Dallas Cowboys. I painted my whole room in just blue and silver and put the Dallas Cowboys logos everywhere. And I was out there in my backyard throwing football after football. I, I would use pine trees as targets. And I'm running plays all day long. When I started bodybuilding, it's still a teenager and, and I'm training like that. There was no doubt in my mind I was going to be Mr. Olympia someday. 
even as a WNBF drug-free pro, when I knew I was never going to be Mr. Olympia, every time I would start a pre-contest, there was, again, zero doubt in my mind I was going to win that next show. And every, every workout, I mean, hours before the workout, my heart rate is elevating. I'm sweating. My, it, it, I mean, I am ready to fight like Mike Tyson. And I did not accomplish any one of those goals. But what I did accomplish along the way was so much more if I didn't have that mindset. And it was that enjoyable. It made every single step. It made dieting fun, even though dieting is not fun, because I was looking at the outcome. I was in that process with a purpose. So I don't know. When I when I think about clients and viewers and listeners planning this next year, have that attitude. I mean, go in and make this your best year ever. And if you're not ready to do that, I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. Some people have recurring habits that are maybe toxic traits for competing. You know, they know that they nibble between meals. And if you're starting fresh, just say like, this is going to be the prep that I don't do that, you know, and it's definitely possible. I I think sometimes people self-sabotage on the other end of the spectrum, how you feel. And uh, I I got that feeling pre-training too. I was almost afraid of what I was going to do to myself that next workout because I knew it was going to hurt like hell. But I also got excited about the progression that would come from that. That's the the fun part of the process. And uh, it's just an administrative note. If you guys have not noticed, Contest Prep University gear is in. I uh, I will be notifying each of you who sent in pre-orders and just to confirm uh, addresses and so forth for mailing. But Adam, thanks. I really appreciate your patience as we got through the end of last year and your move and my move. And uh, I'm looking forward to a great one this year in Contest Prep University.